Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. To buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. Welcome to the Squareball podcast. On this day, we welcome Joe Mewis to the studio, author of Leeds United on this day. And he'll be telling us what we were doing on this day that we've forgotten about. Plus the usual failed attempts at LUFC analysis on this day. Hello again and welcome to the Square Ball podcast and as if four lots of testosterone wasn't enough we've got a guest fifth member of the pod this time. Uh, firstly welcome to the regulars Michael Normanton. Hello. Moscow White. Hi there. And Oddie. Hello. And joining us is the author of the new book Legion United on this day Joe Mewis. Hello. Uh, we'll give him a chance to shamelessly hawk his wares a little bit later on in the podcast but first of all we need to do it. Uh, issue four of the Square Ball now on sale it was released for the Bristol City game on Saturday and features an interview with midfield legend Johnny Giles. Also in the new issue of the magazine you'll find a host of other articles including the secret diary of, of Gary McSheffrey Moscow you wrote that no, um, I didn't yeah no, almost I, <laughs> I found it almost as a follow up to your rant on the last podcast which was uh, directed at, at Mr McSheffrey it's, it's attained something of, of cult status on Twitter I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> I, it's, it's all McSheffrey's own words and he can eat them and uh, issue three of the magazine is also still available featuring the Lucas Radabay interview. You can buy the magazine at home matches and anytime, either the paper copy or the digital download via thesquareball.net forward slash shop. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do via podcast at thesquareball.net for email. We're also on Facebook. We are in the process of sorting out a new fan page on there as well. That'll be up and running soon. But in the meantime, you can find us on the group. And if you want to get hold of us on Twitter as well, you can do. We are at thesquareball. Right, let's dive right into the white-watching, first of all. Three results to cover in this particular period of fixtures. The Coventry away win 3-2, Hull City at home 2-2 draw, and the win, lastly, at home to Bristol City. Uh, great to see us riding out that difficult patch, getting back to winning ways. We should really be talking about three wins from three, all things being equal, but we can't be too disappointed because we uh, find ourselves in and around the playoff spots. We're definitely going up now. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we, there's not anyone who wouldn't have taken seven points from nine, even though it should have been nine. 
the whole result was a bit of a freak, really, and that it was a ridiculously good goal and, uh, and then an own goal. But, you know, that aside, we've, we're, we're actually doing all right. A bit of consistency is nice as well. I think that's been one of the big problems, hasn't it, recently? Finally sort of go, go on a bit of a run, go a few games unbeaten. Still leaking in a few too many goals, I think, aren't we? But it's nice to steady the ship a little bit. Well, you can't say we're bad value for entertainment because um, eight goals for, five goals against in these three games, so... Somebody's getting value for money. Apart from Bostock's goal, all the goals against have been rubbish, though. And all the ones at Coventry were worthwhile. I know it's McSheffrey scored and it was offside. It made me laugh. Did you see McSheffrey get done for his back pass this week, by the way? No. Oh, he tried He tried hacking it back from midfield and it happened to go back to the keeper and it was called a back pass. Have they brought so... it out on DVD yet? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you'd appreciate it. It was that and Bradley Johnson's uh, own goal as well, which shouldn't count. Well, starting out this period of games, we went to fourth place Coventry, filled the ground for them, as we know, and we came away with a very hard-fought win against a, a side that's difficult to play against would that be fair to say we seem to do alright against Boothroyd with um, with Grayson in charge we've beaten him at Colchester and, and again now whereas Blackwell was constantly uh, haunted by him I think one game in particular Housen scored again very happy and then Snodgrass who's uh, Snodgrass has been really good in all three games it's a shame <laughs> Doyle didn't get on but at least Marlon King came on and we could give him a nice Marlon a nice King, reception. Uh, Marlon King, King came on and he um, punched uh, George McCartney in the face. That's not at all like him either. I don't know. I don't know if, <laughs> <laughs> if it's because he liked him. Or... Maybe he thought he was a woman. <laughs> so we then went on to play an out of form Hull sides. Uh, really should have beaten him, as we just said. But I guess that is that's the unpredictable nature of derby matches, isn't it? The Bradley Johnson show. Yeah. yeah. I think also you never want to start Olaying when you're two one up at home when you're Leeds United. That was very, well, very yeah. dangerous. As soon as those first few Olays are like, no, this isn't going to end well. Shameful all right. And as soon as they uh, they went down to ten men, there was just that feeling of mm, I'd rather mm. just stuck with eleven. <laughs> Once something happens, something else will happen. Well, I didn't expect that. Not when you want a contract. Well, he managed, yeah, he managed to cancel out his earlier goal, which was a good one. Which was beautiful. Johnson shooting under the bar from distance <laughs> and scoring. It was like every, It was like Christmas and then his birthday and my birthday and another Christmas all rolled into one. And Just then he <laughs> booted it in the ball off, in the net off a corner. Do you think all uh, when he took his shot, all the people around the middle of the south stand all sort of went, no! I was sat there, I was <laughs> mentioned, definitely. <laughs> Worth mentioning, there should have been nine men as well, had the ref done his job. Was this the elbow, Ian Ashby? Ian Ashby. Terrible, he was it? friend of the podcast, um, Kevin Friend. Oh, the referee? Yeah, we slagged him off a couple of times last year, I think. The thing is, Kevin Friend claims he did his job. He says he saw it, dealt with it by doing nothing and allowing Becky to play on with a broken face and <laughs> Ashby presumably with a blood-spattered elbow. The little video that Leeds United released in complaint was a, an interesting... Interesting. I wouldn't have had so much of Beckford's elbow in there because they didn't show. No. <laughs> they didn't show what led up to it. They were just like, "Look, we did this, and we didn't get away with it, and we've been trying for years to elbow players. How come Hull get away with it?" I think it was a fair point to make, though. Yes, especially if Grant Holt gets let off. Um, that was ridiculous. Though. That was never. Heart. That was never a sending off, was it? That was a. That was a shocking decision. No, but if they can overturn that, why can't they just ban Ashby for a while? Let Becchio elbow him back. <laughs> that's what we, that's that's what we want to see. Give, rules Give him a free shot. Rules of the playground. Exactly. <laughs> and that fo- that photograph of Paul Luciano that they put up. You were sobbing over that in the week, weren't you? Yeah, it, was, it was awful to see. Just wanted to hold him. <laughs> just not fair. And what? And after Bothroyd, what was it? Everybody's and it's strikers. It's strikers tackling Becchio. They're all just jealous. <laughs> 
They just wished they had his hair. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Moving on then to the Bristol game. Although they had hit a little bit of form, we always felt it was one we probably should win. Did we? Well, we, we hope. We never quite know, do we? Not really? without home form. No. We've not, won a, not once in Sheffield United. I mean, it was um, yeah, a relief to get it out of the way, really. Well, it was the first home win for, what was it, two months? And a good home win at that. Played well. I thought it was uh, Bradley Johnson's best game for was a he? long time. Actually. Yeah, he did well. He was playing deep. Keeps him away from the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Bits in near our goal, well. Yeah. No, it seemed, the shape seemed to work quite well with Kilkenny kind of playing deep alongside him but not having to do any running, which suits him quite well. <laughs> is he fast becoming the new Jan Mulby? He is, he's, he's one of the least mobile midfielders <laughs> I've ever seen. But um, And he's also got a really terribly weak shot as Kilkenny. Well, we received a tweet today about the tactics from Disco Box on Twitter phrased quite beautifully I thought as well just saying 4-2-3-1 the most exciting development since the Centenary Pavilion question mark is that the guy who's taken screenshots of LUTV and put lines along put a lot of effort into it Yeah, I didn't understand them is is it something we perhaps now look like we're better doing when we play with a a different shape two holding midfielders three in front giving Johnny House and the licence to get forward and get these goals that he's been getting he's looking like a better player now as well isn't he I think it's bringing out some of the good qualities in our player like killing house and get forward it's giving Kilkenny a bit more time to pass the ball around so I think you know, Bradley Johnson there is a good footballer in him trying to get out I've always thought this who stopped by his brain exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's his brain we've said that for a while though, back, isn't it? so if we can find a system where we're you know, getting all the strengths out of these players then brilliant you know fair play to Grace from sorting it out I think the house and roll has helped the team a little bit but apart from Sommer who was a bit poorer on Saturday but he's not he's not a back to goal striker so he's never going to hold it up the way Becchio does he needs the ball on to run to because he's got the class he's got the touch is it a good thing that we've got these you know the number of strikers <coughs> that we've got we can sort of swap them around and mix things up a bit and you know if, if perhaps Sommer has taken a little dip in form we've got Becchio who could just step in he's come off the bench hat trick in what 17, 18 minutes whatever it was fantastic with one eye karma <laughs> <laughs> that's what I call it the last couple of weeks that's karma it's good as well that we can bring um if our fantastic new tactics in the next game when they inevitably fail <laughs> we just switch to four four two because we've got someone on the bench or um, painter as well we've got lots of uh, lots of options so there are some benefits to having a, a massive unwieldy squad that, <laughs> that we're beginning to reap do worry about them all getting pissed off though it won't take long will it before McCormack gets unsettled and well, yeah, painter I mean, demands more time yeah, McCormack's a funny one that he just hasn't really appeared, and we paid money for him as Actual well. Real money. I yeah. always worry when we pay. He's still injured. He's still. He's coming yeah, on the way back. He's not even for the reserves, isn't he? And behind closed doors on last week. He'll be off to Carlisle soon. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't do that to him. He's <laughs> <laughs> just come from Cardiff for God's sake. <laughs> A uh, little footnote from the Bristol game then. It was nice of Danny Rose to turn up and, and let us know he's still alive. Yeah, I think that cheered everybody up. I think. Yeah. Hit a nice shot as well that went out for a throw-in <laughs> towards the end, which was a pleasing. And nice to see David James having a little tantrum as well and getting booked for it. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> when he, uh, he smacked the ball. And then he, he tried claiming he'd, the ball, because the ball had bounced off the West Stand to come back, he tried claiming he meant it to the ref. He was like, look, the ball's, the ball's back now. <laughs> Everything's OK. And Danny Rose did do a, a complete air shot about six yards out as well. After played a neat one-two in the box and then just fluffed it, which was good. There seemed to be a lot of attitude in Bristol City side as well. John Stead was giving it the big "I'm a Huddersfield fan and I'm going to score," and admittedly he did, but nobody really cares. Shit as well. That was really yeah. annoying because he's crappy. He's he a useless footballer. He's, he's really yeah. slow. To say he's kind of skinny and tall, you'd expect him to look. He looks kind of like he'd be a, have a little bit of a turn of pace, but he's, he manages to be a kind of Parkin-esque speed, but but with none of the physical <laughs> strength to him. Didn't Roy Keane basically chase him out of Ipswich? 
I could chase him out of somewhere, though. Is it right, is it right soft-looking shit? <laughs> <laughs> Which average Division 2 striker are we going to wind up next week? <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, Stead, Bothroyd, we're coming for you. We'll find someone. Let's wait till we get to the preview section. Well, this is now. endless. <laughs> uh, the thing on the atmosphere as well, I thought it was very poor in the first half. And then we seem to... Second half, does um a young fat lad in the south stand <laughs> in, in there. Phil Kenny? Yes. <laughs> uh, and he'd taken his top off, so the east stand were giving him a little bit of jip and saw the south stand. So then started giving it large. Uh, and then um, he proceeded to uh, bear his ass. the whole crowd. <laughs> Are you allowed to do that in a football ground? Isn't that a Probably not, because that's offense. when Plod stepped in. And, uh, well, we had a similar thing at, um, at Tranmere away on the first game after we were relegated, and I was on that side of the stand, and there was a fat kid, and he was tucking into a pie, and you think, you mind your fingers, lad, will you? <laughs> he was going through it at such a rate. And he got hauled off by the coppers in the second half as well. Yeah. I was going to say, you've not... No, 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 <laughs> he, was, he, was, he, was, he was eating his pie in such a... It was a big lad, and he was, but he was eating his pie like it was the last pie on earth. And every time he was raising it to his mouth, everyone was going, Ooh, <laughs> you fat bastard. Like that. Have you ever seen a salad, I think, as well, was the chant that went up. And it just wound him up and wound him up. But he'd been giving it the big, come on, you know, like the home fans do when they're next to the away fans. Anyway, he got, he got so wound up in the second half that he got hauled off by several coppers. Uh, just returning back to um, Becchio, we were just talking about him there. He's stated publicly his desire to stay at Leeds now. Encouraging sign. It is, if that's what he said. I mean, the only public statement I've ever heard from Gianna Becchio is he's going, yeah, fucking unbelievable. So I'd like him. I don't know if he's just said, yeah, I really want to go and play for Hull or just anybody who'll pay me higher in Spanish, and then it's been translated. And, uh, oh, Becchio wants to stay. Might have, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, it was Ranieri, wasn't it, with the uh, the really good interpreter who used to just make up his own, his own things. Oh. Ranieri used to say something to him and he'd go... Game of two halves. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's the guy <laughs> who's the, the fat guy who's yeah, really red, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's just, still there. And he talked yeah. for a bit longer, then he go, played well. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't speak Spanish. Ranieri was... Uh, Italian, Italian, even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think, as well, perhaps there's, there's almost, um, given what Ken Bates was saying recently about some players will be moving on because their agents are demanding unrealistic amounts, is there a hint that maybe this is a counter to that? that it could be a offer me better terms I want to stay but you're making it impossible for me to stay by being a skin flint well Ken sets a good example by working for no money for the club and I think probably everyone should follow his lead yeah, when, when you don't take a penny out of the club it must be bad I mean, to deal with players who want paying for the work Right, let's talk now then about uh, the things that have happened down at Ellen Road off the field um, in the last couple of weeks. Well, this is partially on the field as well. Injury update. Nice to see us getting the majority of the squad back towards something approaching fitness. Got Billy Painter who's now knocking on the door. Uh, McCormack, we think, still alive and functioning. Ben Parker, again, ditto. But Lloyd Sam, nice return against Bristol. Had an influence on the game. He was really good early season, wasn't he? He was, and then he, he got dropped for Gradle, which seemed a bit harsh. Um, and then he's, yeah, he came back in. He, he changed the game for us, along with Becky, obviously. Nice to see Sanchez walk back then, uh, pressing for a return to the first team. He's, he's only a few days away, we think. Well, after watching um, Bostock um, scoring for, for Hull, I did kind of think they got in from Tottenham. I was like, that's hard. Why doesn't Sanchez walk ever do that for us? Um, so hopefully he'll come back and, uh, and then start midfield again a bit more. Never quite sure about Sanchez, what way he's, he's obviously good. I think he's played well for us. I think he's quietly unsung. He's done some good stuff for us. I'm just not sure what it is that he does in particular. But then it's because he's always been... We had him for a bit last season, we had him for a bit this season. 
Whereas we know that Kilkenny or just Trundle. But is that maybe again a symptom, Sanchez, what not knowing what it brings of the whole uh, generic midfielders problem that we we spoke about last time on the podcast that we seem to have stockpiled generic midfielders, but maybe now this new system, if there are three forward uh, thinking players, might bring the best out of someone like Sanchez. What he's obviously got the quality, I think, hasn't he? I think we've we've seen that when he's played. You know, he's been brought up at Arsenal. There's how to play the right way. I'd say if we can get him a run in the team, Kilkenny was brought up at Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> so was Bothroyd. I always forget that when I watch Kilkenny. Kilkenny since discovered pies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to players on the in and out front. Andy O'Brien was brought in recently on loan. We spoke about that last time. How's he doing so far? Can we Very keep well. him? Has yeah. he steadied yeah. steady yeah. the ship? I, I already am worried about him leaving. <laughs> he looks that much better than anything else we've got. You've grown attached to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's, he's talking up the possibility of staying, isn't he? Because he's, you know, he's sort of saying, I'm out of contract with Bolton. Um, please give me a contract, Leeds. Yeah. And, and then the contract will be put on the table. And, and he'll say, turn into Richard Naylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he'll just say, that's not enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm already worried about him and McCartney going back because we are starting to look a little bit better with those two. I think we've got square one, wouldn't we? Yeah, when, exactly. Uh, again, when like they're going, we've got a changing problem again. broken Ben Parker and Neil Collins again. Although, although McCartney hey, didn't... Hey, we could get Pisani back in. <laughs> McCartney did end up on his backside twice on Saturday. Yeah, yeah he, he got, got skinned for the goal, didn't he? Did, he was yeah. looking pretty bad. He did set up one for uh, for uh, Becky, though. I guess across, so... Yeah. They've cancelled each other out like Bradley Johnson. Yes. Against Tom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, keepers, Jason Brown, gone back to Blackburn, even though he probably doesn't want to, given his previous comments about wanting to stay at Leeds, because we're a big club and so on. Uh, ben Anik, back to Spurs. Sign that Casper's maybe uh, nearing full fitness. Hopefully that's that's that all over now. <laughs> Fed up with us just having a conveyor belt of keepers. Not a conveyor belt, a revolving door of keepers. Um, let's just stick with Casper because he's really good. And um, what's his name? Diggs. No, nope, the other one. Alan, Alan Martin. Martin. Alan Martin. Why don't you revolve me? <laughs> <laughs> Please. That's a closed door, is that yeah. one? I think. <laughs> also arriving, two trialists then. I uh, hope I pronounce these names right. Leonardo Poggi or Poggi. Poggy. Yeah. Poggy, Poggy. 19-year-old centre-back from Bologna on trial, uh, as well as Sean Greenfield, 18-year-old USA, under-20 forward. Uh, a product of the Atletico Madrid Academy, played in the Ukraine last season and currently training with Barry, so he's getting a, a nice few stamps in his passport anyway. Uh, so they're on trial. What do we feel about this? Good on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Although, unfortunately, isn't one of the things about that YouTube video that half of it's somebody else? I heard that, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's been mixed in with a, with a, a really good player. <laughs> and nobody knows which is which because nobody knows who he is and what he looks like. Is this Greenfield? Good, yeah. yeah. And nobody's really said anything. He about can't be that he... good because he's been released, hasn't he? He's unattached as it stands this season, as I understand it. But he's but he is but a child though, isn't he? He's only eighteen. And then Poggy. Nobody's really said anything about Poggy. We seem everybody seems to to get really um, happy whenever we've got an American around. Whereas I'd think an Italian centre-back. I mean, it could be the next Barese. Um Whereas everyone seems to be more like, we could have the next Grella. Um, but no, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm that's just a, that's a bias for centre-forwards and attacking players, isn't it? That's all that it's is. It's a bias for Americans. I think he went to pound camp as well. <laughs> He's been brought up in the, uh, the Grella school of uh, internet relations. We'll see. It's only a trial. No need to have been with Well, Joe, you tend to spend uh, a lot of time down at Thorpe Arch watching the, uh, the junior team don't you as well so do, uh, yeah. I guess you'll you'll be well 
pitch to uh, let us know how these two get on. I'll keep an eye out for them, yeah. It's an American and an Italian. They'll probably stand out amongst the 15-year-old lads from one, one in a baseball cap and yeah. one with a very good tan, yeah. Right, also on the Leeds connection front, uh, about players in and out, bit of a loose connection. David Healy playing and scoring for Doncaster. I don't know how I feel about him going on loan there. It feels like I've been cheated on a little bit, uh, just mildly. He, uh, he played quite a major part in Carl Dickinson getting sent off for Portsmouth at the weekend. Have you seen this tackle? Yeah. He, yeah, he attempted to snap somebody. Yeah, he always did come across as a psychopath. Yeah. He's like Begbie. He's like a Begbie of footballers, isn't he, from Trainspotting? Yeah. I liked him. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. <laughs> sort, of, sort, of ball, sort of balls we need in the, in the defence. But um, yeah, it was uh, strange to see David Healy uh, piling into something of a, a, a bit of fisticuffs with a man that mental. It's strange to see David Healy playing football, just generally, I think. Not in a Northern Ireland shirt. Yeah. It's a bit of a come down for him, though, isn't it, Doncaster? come down for anywhere well, <laughs> international call-ups now then David Sommer just got his first international call-up for Bafana Bafana for South Africa uh, off the back of the new three-year contract so things looking up uh, very much for him he was sat next to John Terry at the Chelsea game yesterday as well I don't know if anyone saw that oh every silver lining <laughs> <laughs> I got the rumour mill going so it was a bit odd because you don't I suppose with that used to being in the third division you don't expect any of our players to, to hang around with such a yeah, I wouldn't expect John Terry to even entertain third division footballers you know. but I think the um, the most likely story I saw was it was the Gradle connection well Gradle he's been called was, up for the Ivory uh, Coast yeah, now hasn't he so Kalu and Gradle makes a dropper yeah and with Sommer was just in town as you do uh, I'm sure if Chelsea want to pay us four and a half million quid or something like that's why Kennel giving him the new contract mm. more money for them selling him quick um, so good luck to the pair of them with their international call-ups it'll be interesting to see how Mad Max gets on with the uh, with the Ivory Coast I'd love to see him up front with Drogba <laughs> <laughs> arguing with him over a penalty yeah. I'm taking this <laughs> don't you know who I am <laughs> says Max we mentioned before then Joe about you um, spending time at Thorpe Arch so you perhaps can shed a little bit more light on this um, we spoke last time out about the academy manager Neil Thompson and his assistant Daryl Pugh uh, both leaving as part of this uh, academy review and restructure uh, latest news is that Bobby Davison's come back to the club on an interim basis assisting Neil Redfern right across the academy spectrum so tell us all about it yeah that's right well I think Bobby Davison's coaching about 15 teams there at the moment because budget cuts mean we really don't have enough coaches there I don't think at the moment but uh, it's a shame to see Neil Thompson and Daryl Pugh go both nice blokes but we weren't really getting a lot done this current batch of 18 under 18 year olds it's not not a vintage bunch or anything um, but Glyn Williams has come in charge now he's, in, he's there till uh, till Christmas at least he said he looks like he's going about it the right way he's increased training sessions I saw him at the weekend at the game he was telling one of, under, one of our under 16s to go in there say you're the best say you're the man so you can maybe see where John Terry gets it from because <laughs> like, he brought up John Terry didn't he at Chelsea so uh, I think Certainly, for, you know the the current sort of fifteens and sixteens. I think these changes hopefully will be for the better. And you know we're going through a bit of a drought from first team players at the moment coming through. But I'd like to think in the next couple of years, you know, it should be back on track the Thorpe Arch production line. Is it that the, none of the players up there are, are any good? Because Grayson gets a bit of um, flack for not for not playing youth players, as if people accuse him of not being interested, like George Graham style. But the impression he's sort of been given is that. He is interested, just none of them are good enough. Is that what you've seen? Well, I'll be honest, you don't tend to see Grayson watching a lot of the matches. McAllister certainly did, but you don't really tend to get Grayson down there often. I mean, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he knows what's going on. Uh, but A.D. White's been playing down for the 18s the last few weeks. And you watch him playing, you're, he is a step above everyone else. Mm. You know, he's faster, better on the ball, more dynamic. 
You know, you don't see too many in the team. I mean, there's a few. Will Hatfields, uh, he's got a squad number this year in the first team squad. He's got a very good goal at the weekend. You know, you look at him and think he could be good. But we've got so many midfielders at the moment. He's a midfielder. You know, there's no way through for him, really. So I'm, very, I'm hopeful for Sanchez Payne for some reason. Just because of the name. A couple of weeks ago, yeah, he does have a good name. There's a, question, there's a quiz question there waiting to get out, isn't there? Like Sanchez, what? Sanchez Payne, both in the, in the squad. Mm. But I think um, the way Grayson, I think, likes to do it is the more promising ones he likes to put on loan. You know, you've got Tom Lees down at uh, Berry, don't we? I think, obviously, Alan Martin at Barrow. I think that's a sensible thing to do, really, because he gets them playing week in, week out. You know, did Ben Parker good, I suppose, going back and. Obviously, we've seen Sommer go out last year. Obviously, not young still, but I think first team football is going to help a lot. I think it's something A.D. White needs, isn't it? Because yeah. even though he's finished one set of ninety minutes for Leeds United, but I think against Doncaster they were even. If they could have taken him off at the end, they would have. Yeah. He was trying, yeah. and it's less. And I keep thinking it's less than a year since he was absolutely destroyed at Southampton. Um, I keep keeping the back of my mind whenever people are saying he needs to be in the team now. Yeah, uh, I think he he's one who would benefit from just going from going somewhere and playing twenty games. Well, there's a lot of rumours going around that he's going to go out on loan, so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in the next sort of couple of months. Interesting stuff. Then we'll uh, we'll keep an eye out for all that. Also worth quickly mentioning, I think that Bobby Davison, uh, one of the teams that he is managing on the side as well, he's assisting um, Noel Blake, who's in charge of the England under 19s as well. Big Noel. It's also Ex- worth man. that uh, Bobby Davison was one of my favourite players before I. Really knew anything about football I just saw him and I liked him <laughs> that's good right <laughs> we made, made a mention of loans then and uh, Mike Grella I think this is almost becoming a regular feature now Grella watch uh, he's going to be staying on loan at Carlisle until the turn of the year I hope he passed fun <laughs> good <laughs> got an assist at the weekend didn't he yeah <laughs> good luck Mike uh, moving on right um on to something a little bit more light-eyed, or is it actually? Um, this coin game story that's emerged by the media. Uh, Danny Mills revealed that the team used to take a coin onto the pitch and set each other little challenges like catching it and retrieving it and uh, whatever, you know, all sorts of little tasks. And if they didn't fulfil the tasks, they were forfeits. I mean, I don't know how I feel about this. Is it, is it light-heartedness and is it something that was good for team spirit or was it irresponsible and annoying? Maybe a bit of both. I mean, Rio Ferdinand's spoken about this in the past as well and... Um, he described well first of all he pointed out that Robbie Fowler imported this which is yet another another downside to wasting 11 million on that <laughs> um, scouse hoover nosed idiot um, <laughs> and um, imagery um, and he also described what one of the forfeits was apparently Don Matteo uh, left the pitch with it in his hand and so they took him to uh, took him to a pub and um, filled him with beer that was the forfeit that's um, which makes you think that's yeah Perhaps not the best idea for a professional athlete to be uh, to be carrying money around the pitch and then um, and then boozing it all off as a as a consequence. Because I can't imagine the rest of the squad just sat and watched. Well, apparently the one player uh, I've heard this from my mate who's in Australia playing with uh, Michael Bridges, and uh, the one player who was, who was above this sensible, mature that was Lee Bowyer. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he always had a proper, responsible attitude Indeed. to uh, on and off the pitch. <laughs> I'd rather they weren't messing about with uh, with money. I find it gauche. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very big, not a big word. Is it? <laughs> Quite small. <laughs> very left field word. Uh, Danny Mills' comments that um, he finds it. Uh, what, what did he say? What did he shows say? just how seriously yeah, he took it. Right, yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, all the fun's gone out of the game because of all the money. Yes. He yeah. was only on, what, 40 grand a week? Yeah, must have at been least. struggling yeah. to feed himself. Well, they, yeah. they brought the money into the game when they went on the pitch with a pound <laughs> in, the, right, in yeah. their hand. It's funny that the scouts was trying to keep it. 
<laughs> was Craig Bellamy stood on it that time when, when Mills was in the corner and he just uh, <laughs> <laughs> just really wanted it. <laughs> on to better days and better players. Um, Tony Yeboah, this is something you pointed out and brought to my attention, Moscow. He's now the president of his, of his own team. Tell us about this. I think he's pre- he described himself as president, chief executive um, and manager. Um, it was an interview, he, I saw him mentioned saying that um, he thinks Asmoa Jan will be a, a success in in England and found a, an interview and they mentioned that he's now has a team called Yegola FC because <laughs> um, apparently that was his nickname I never I don't remember ever calling him Yegola but he's not only got um, a football team he's got a hotel as well because um, as a as a, a shout back to TSP issue 3 when we had the African theme um, a bit of a reality check that Tony when he went back to Ghana Retired. He was confronted, he said in this interview, with the reality of friends and people who were I knew who came for help and they wanted money. And so um, rather than give them money, he, he opened a hotel and gave them more jobs. And that's that's what he's been doing for the last few years. And now they're all sorted out and settled down. He's now he's now begun Yagola FC, who uh, who won everything in um, in a bit big headed, a little bit big headed. <laughs> but I think he sees he's seeing himself as a bit of a, a brand. He says the team hasn't got any stars. There's no there's no really good players. But he's going to turn them into good players and then sell them all to Europe. You can't accuse him of uh, not having self-belief. No, no. but um, one uh, note to end on. For, so we can all follow your goal. I don't know if TSB Podcast has any Ghanaian listeners. I know we had somebody in the, the British Virgin Islands, so you know, it's, it's possible. He ends the interview on a nice note where he says, I very much enjoyed my two and a half years in England with all the fantastic goals and genuine love from the supporters. After scoring those amazing goals, especially against Liverpool, and after watching the matches on television, I could hardly believe that I scored them. I would say it is by the grace of God. Very surprising, considering he was about 48 by the time we signed him. (laughs) Right, in other news then, Sanchez Watt has uh, found his way onto Twitter. We at the Square Ball are following him. Well, we've spoken before on the podcast about footballers using social media, including the wonders of (laughs) Ask Arshavin, which if if you've never heard anything about this, stick it into Google, track it down, have a read. Wonderful stuff. Andre Arshavin at Arsenal. Sanchez Watt stuff, not quite as highbrow lots of fancy pictures of his uh, penthouse apartment in Leeds endless hours of fun he must get up to taking photos of himself in boots with Ramon Nunes Sommer and Bradley Johnson I mean that's one of the, one of the strangest things I've ever seen I mean four lads together going to boots and then getting a photo to remind themselves of what a great afternoon it was it reminded me a bit of when you used to play they weren't in the condom section where they just got <laughs> horrible it reminded me a bit of when you used to play truant from school but then couldn't really think of anything decent to do so you just go to a shop that you'd normally hate going to just because you could because you weren't at school and um it had that air about it although Raymond Nunes looked very very happy to be there like he'd never seen a chemist before <laughs> which shops did you hate going to that you went in I'm just intrigued <laughs> well Boots is somewhere where your mum would always drag you when she was buying <laughs> feminine products and then on the, the one day when you can do what the hell you want you end up in boots buying feminine products <laughs> I don't know what Summer was buying but it's it would have been getting hair care things definitely it's one of those things though footballers on Twitter it can't go any way other than wrong something's got to go wrong at some stage Sanchez has been quite well behaved so far just sort of saying hopes he gets back in the team training tomorrow hope the lads do well here's Be- my home studio yeah photos of expensive equipment and details of where he lives is it just to try and pull girls is yeah that, is it just a come and get me plea well, we all joined twitter last week <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've had no 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Success. Don't work yet. Individual accounts at last. As a footnote to this. Uh, we were just talking about Lee Bowyer. Could you imagine if they'd have had Twitter and someone like Lee Bowyer would have been on it? <laughs> on the night out with Woody and some of his mates. <laughs> <laughs> stop, Lee. Stop, stop there. Why not stay in? Watch your DVD, Lee. <laughs> right, in this part of the podcast, we will devote all our attention to our very special guest who we introduced earlier on, author Joe Mewis. Uh, your new book, Leeds United, on this day, out in the shops as we speak to buy, to read. Tell us a little bit about it then. How how and why did it come about? What made you write a book about Leeds United? Uh, well, it's actually the third book I've done. Um, I started a website with a mate of mine just after we finished uni because we were hanging around, not knowing what to do with our lives. I think we were actually watching a, a very boring England game in the pub and uh, we thought, let's get a bit of writing experience. So we did this website called Football on This Day, which just went through things that happened on that day about football history. Just good for a bit of banter and everything. And then... Uh, we sort of we found that we kept doing it for about a year and hadn't missed a day. So we thought, hang on, let's uh, let's try and get a book out of this. So we did that. Uh, released the first book a couple of years ago. Then we did one on the England team, which didn't do amazingly well, thanks to uh, Fabio in the summer, which uh, so I'm not too keen on him there. And then I thought I'd go off on my own and do Leeds United one. So it's about Leeds United on particular days during the calendar year. How did you go about researching it then? What, how did you put it together? Was it like painstaking trolling newspapers, websites, stuff like that? Yeah, it was a tad because uh, the form of it is basically every day of the year, it's got two or three stories about things that have happened to Leeds. So obviously, you know, sort of May, end of the season, writes itself. Plenty to write about. Start of the season, you've got your debuts. Um, but the rest of it did involve a lot of internet trolling over the internet. Obviously, uh, that can be that can be quite a distracting experience. <laughs> yeah. it took, took years to write. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for about six months, my bedroom was just full of like Leeds programs, magazines, books, 
Uh, so obviously, you know, a lot of time on YouTube doing all that. So it did take quite a while, quite painstaking, but, you know, pretty enjoyable. Going watching YouTube footage of Billy Bremner and Eddie Gray for six months isn't, you know, it's not too hard, really. And have you got, like, a particular favourite entry or what's the favourite thing that you found out that you didn't know before when you were writing it? That I didn't know before? Yeah. Um, I quite like the uh, the pantomime, actually, the Christmas pantomime. That's seasonal, isn't it? We're getting towards Christmas here. Um, I can't remember what date that's on. It'll be 25th of December is Christmas. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's Christmas Sorry. birthday, that one. <laughs> oh, look at him going, he's in full fun. Yeah. I've seen the... Is that the one where it's uh, Duncan McKenzie and Coke? I've seen the photographs. Yeah. I think I've been told about that by my dad, actually. Yeah, they used to do it every year, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I think it was at the, uh, the City Varieties, I think, in Leeds. I think it was one of Don Revy's ideas. That's quite an interesting one. I, why do I imagine Neil Kilkenny as a pantomime dame? He's behind you. Not the horse. <laughs> <laughs> I notice you've got the... Um, the official Leeds United shield on the front cover with its registered trademark displayed prominently and throughout the book because we haven't dared actually use the use the badge on the magazine no did you did you arrange with the club for all this I did yeah I had to uh, to get the uh, to get the book deal with my publishers they said they needed uh, actual club approval of it so yeah I, I you won't find too many mentions of me slagging off Ken Bates I'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> tell us what you feel about Ken Bates from oh, that he's a lovely man <laughs> yeah <laughs> he saved our club hasn't he twice yeah so was it a um, blank check to Monaco was it something like that something like that <laughs> oh and you've got um, a forward by Simon Grayson as well I do yeah yeah did you actually read it before right now? Well, I met him um, at an academy <laughs> team the other night, and I said to him, uh, oh, Simon, because I haven't actually, I'd met him before, I said, oh, you wrote the forward for this. He's like, oh, what book's that? <laughs> He's on the stage. He goes, oh, yeah. That's, yeah, an, that's a ringing yeah, endorsement. Ringing endorsement, if ever I heard <laughs> so, one. Uh, but no, I'm sure it's all his own work. <laughs> this, this book is ace. Well. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favourite book. Try Simon Grayson. Well, I had a quick flick through, actually, and I noticed that on my birthday, sadly, it was the day that um, Leeds lost the playoff final replay at um, Birmingham against Charlton which was a miserable day I think that was my ninth birthday good goal by John Sheridan though. Oh, it was a fantastic yeah. goal my birthday was on a playoff defeat as well when we lost to Millwall most birthdays are I think that's at least losing in some description <laughs> <laughs> so it can't all be playoffs exactly are there any really downbeat entries where you couldn't really get? Well, there's like there's obviously those relegation administration point deductions. Steve Hodge. Well, yeah, Steve. <laughs> no, Hodge. I love Steve. Hodge. <laughs> I just happened to be there. So yeah, and uh, you know, for your Woodgate Gate. Uh, so there's plenty of plenty of not very good ones in there. Wouldn't have been a very long book if I just concentrated on the things we'd won. Unfortunately, it's a really it's. it's running out of things it's a lovely size of book <laughs> so, some might say it's the perfect stocking filler <laughs> if you've got big feet go on this is shameless probably Philly not stocking but, um. <laughs> I would say ideal for a toilet read lots of nice little indeed <laughs> digestible chunks which paints a horrible image but <laughs> <laughs> This isn't how I pitched it to the publisher, actually. <laughs> Stick it in your toilet, you'll love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, then, on a slightly more serious note, or more relevant note, let's get back on topic and um, talk about... Mate, why not? Let's talk about memorable days supporting Leeds. I mentioned my, my birthday in the book there, losing the playoff final. Do we have any memorable occasions supporting Leeds? Not necessarily the obvious ones. I remember my first game. I mean, that's a bit of a cliche to say your first game. But uh, that was in the promotion season in 1990. We lost to Barnsley. That was the only home game we lost all season. 
That was a bad introduction uh, as well. It was an awful night, I remember. Yeah, horrible night. Moving day, I think. He had a, he had a clanger for what I remember. But it's a cool introduction to Lee's, isn't it? All together. You've come out like a <laughs> Mary. That was when Chris Fairclough got the, the head injury as well, wasn't it? And he scored with his head straight he after coming back on with stitches. Yeah. Absolute yeah. hero. Mm. My first game has got to be in here because that was... Um, when we lifted the title trophy against Norwich, Rod Wallace won the goal. That's oh, in there. Beginning of May. I knew you wouldn't let me down. Yep. Oddie, we, uh, do they have records of when your first game oh, was? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting that for all fucking day, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. There's three on mine, actually. Go on, then. Uh, and my birthday is the 24th of November. One of them goes back quite a way. One is the win at Aston Villa in 1991. Which is, um, I did go to it and I was very drunk. Was that the one on the telly? It was, it was yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the, the back cheek, heel from the, the corner. Oh, little beautiful. back heel from Strachan. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and the other one, which I'd forgotten, uh, was we signed uh, Rio Ferdinand on Friday the 24th of November 2000. In his white suit yeah. on the pitch. And not, nothing could go wrong from there, could it? No, no not really. really. In terms of memorable ones, or not memorable ones uh, Coventry away in 92, 93 you started that sentence with Coventry I knew it was not going to be a good thing no no we've not won away all season oh yeah oh remember. the last game of the season wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah when Wallace did he get a hat trick it was a three all uh, game pitch invasion that's right apparently because I can remember setting off and I can remember waking up in a van upside down <laughs> on a roundabout uh, the following morning As because we've gone down come back I can't remember anything about it other than waking up in the van that was upside down <laughs> I wasn't driving, no, but... Maybe you should have been. Maybe, yeah. Police still appealing for witnesses. <laughs> yeah. On it's amazing how fast you can run, uh, <laughs> having been upside down and rolled around a little bit. But, yeah. What days? I was, that's, it's almost in keeping with the one I was thinking of from last season, my uh, the, the Southampton day, where I'd... <laughs> I've, I've been called the tramp for this on a few occasions, but I, I <laughs> went out straight from work on the, on the Friday and I thought, oh, it's, it's too late to get a taxi home and... I'm not. I'm not paying for a hotel or anything in Leeds. So I, I decided to initially. I was going to sleep in at work. I was just going to sneak in and hope no one noticed and sleep in the storeroom. Uh, <laughs> upon being booted out by the security man, I thought, ah, I'll just I'll just go sleep in the car. It'll be fine. And it was it was kind of early March, so it wasn't probably the warmest night I've ever had. Uh, woke up, drove to Doncaster, went down to Southampton. We lost. My mate got arrested. I had to spend, spend about another five hours in Southampton waiting for him to be released. <laughs> All the while with a massive hangover still, having drunk plenty more, strong bow on the way down. Um, and then eventually got home about half one. <laughs> what, a, what a pleasant day. Oh, another one that just sprung to mind as well, while you mentioned the South Coast, was the Bournemouth game when we got promoted in 1990. And I remember we went down, me, my mum and my dad... Um, and a whole bunch of other people. You can say a bucket of Indaloo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was teeing you up for it. Um, and we went down, we stayed in this hotel in Bournemouth, and some poor sods who were all Bournemouth fans, all them and their guests, the couple and their guests, were getting married in the same, in the hotel that night. And they had the wedding booked for ages before. So we'd relegated them, trashed the town, um, and they were getting married that night. And they still invited. The omens are good for this marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and they invited all of us down to the uh, to the wedding party. Smash yeah, it up. Which was nice. Break the cake or anything. <laughs> well, given some of the people that I knew were there, yeah, it's not inconceivable. But no, it was it was very nice of them. But it was it was a memorable day in in every respect. On a similar theme, very fond memories of uh, Wednesday the twenty first of July two thousand and four, when um, a scan confirmed that uh, Eric Backer's season was over because he'd snapped a cruciate ligament in a pre season friendly. It was uh, in Sweden with Patea. 
remember it remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. You've just read that from the book, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> See what you mean about the summer being a difficult time. <laughs> it does get a bit uh, dry sometimes. <laughs> I was actually I was looking to see because some of my um, stranger memories of growing up sporting leagues was pre-season friendlies because it was pretty much all I could convince my dad who didn't like football to take me to. So um, I'm seeing Dean and Whelan for the first time in the. Uh, blue and yellow uh, striped acid kit at, at Blundell Park because it dragged my dad all the way to Grimsby. <laughs> so it's like, it'll be easier to get tickets for that than uh, than it would be at Elland Road. I had to try and persuade him into uh, into actually taking him to a game. And um, yeah, I, I was, remember uh, the next morning in the place where we stayed, there was uh, limited, uh, limited breakfast options, but I got the biggest pile of bacon. I think uh, any 13-year-old boy has been uh, faced with many a long year. <laughs> Stick that in your next book. <laughs> Bacon <laughs> anecdotes on this day. <laughs> I always remember as well that the local paper had a, a big story on Leeds being in town and like had a, a picture special on Brian Dean doing like a, signing autographs in Grimsby. <laughs> like they'd never seen anything like it in the town. The other one which I was thinking of, which is in here, I've um, had to check the year, but the 24th of December '95 when we beat uh, beat Scum three one. Um, on uh, Christmas Eve, remember that, and I, I still, I still got the hat which I bought outside, which was a yellow and white hat that said even Santa supports Leeds on it. No, still, I think I might have had one. I've still got that at home. I wore it for a few games afterwards, thinking it was lucky, and then it, it wasn't. <laughs> I, even, I even took some games in my pocket. I think I took it to. The, I think I took it to when we played them next at home. I took it in my pocket because I thought it was uh, going to work. They're ending my superstitions. Doug Gisby, who goes by the name LU Americas on Twitter, actually has brought up a, a few. He's gone. He's on Twitter crazy this afternoon when we asked uh, asked about this. Uh, he makes mention of the fact that he travels over, obviously from uh, the United States for for his games. Um, so he says that the uh, the playoff final trips home weren't quite memorable in the right way. Slightly depressing, I would imagine, going back over the Atlantic after those matches. He also says uh, he remembers very much being in the scratching shed as an eight, nine-year-old against Spurs and uh, Leeds won 2-0 and he put Leeds smitten for life, which made me go, aww. <laughs> I've got one as well from uh, We Beat the Scum 1-0. He says, no need to guess mine. I think we can guess that. <laughs> but then he's uh, he's got Stuttgart at Camp Nou back in 92. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as well, he's got uh, us beating Arsenal 2-1 at Highbury with nine men. It was Lee Bowyer and uh, Danny Mills got sent off, didn't they? Sent off by Jeff Winter as well, Jeff I seem Winter. to remember. Yeah. Didn't we win the league? Yeah, those, those are quite memorable. Yeah, they were. They were, yeah. yeah. Actually, I remember driving out of Sheffield with my parents in the car and we had, I think it was when the Leeds United album first came out and we had that on in the car and singing all the songs after beating Sheffield United 3-2 that was a fine day one of my memories from that season that has just come flooding back to me like a, a Madeleine in uh, in Proust was um, <laughs> trying to get commentary of our game at QPR um from that season when we when we lost four one and having I always had great difficulty getting radio leads because I lived in Cheshire, um, and yet it, it somehow made it over the Pennines and hearing at half time the remix of um, Marching On Together being getting its first airing, um, kind of shamefaced because we were three 0 down and the uh, the title was going down the toilet at the time. But still, uh, some lads have remixed the record for our for our championship um, uh, failure. <laughs> Here it is. I can remember listening to that. In fact, I remember taping it off the radio. It was mostly static, but... Uh... Yeah, if there are any younger listeners uh, wondering what tape and radio is, 
Ask your parents, one day they'll tell you. The audio show is collection of wax cylinders is uh, on commentaries. <laughs> I think one thing's for sure, we're not going to be short of memorable talking points where Leeds are concerned it is never dull, is it? First half against all was pretty dull. Apart from that, okay. just ge- generally, in the general sense. Yeah, not looking for material of Leeds. No. You'd probably get ten volumes out of it anyway. Exactly. Should uh, give you plenty of stuff to uh, to get your teeth into. But um, you're doing some book signings as well, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. I've got one uh, next week, next Thursday, on the 25th. That's at Smith's in the White Rose Centre. And the Thursday after, which links the 2nd of December, uh, Waterstone's in the middle of Leeds. So it'd be good to get any square ball pods listeners along cynically cashing in on the Christmas market good on you Thursday night late night shopping as well <laughs> what's your handwriting like it's actually dreadful I do need to practice my signature <laughs> say, something tidy in the front yeah 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 go along and see Joe and uh, and buy the book I'll, I'll st- steal a copy and then get him to sign it anyway what's the book called Dan it's uh, Leeds United on this day subtitled history facts and figures from every day of the year who wrote the foreword uh, Simon Grayson and who wrote the book Mr Mewis, who sat opposite. There we go. We've, we've hawked it as shamelessly as we possibly can. Thank you very much. And all the very best with it. Right after the huge sales pitch, let's uh, now turn our attention to the games that are coming up before we speak to you next in the next couple of weeks. Uh, two away matches. Uh, Norwich away, Saturday the 20th of November, Saturday the 27th. Then after that, uh, Reading away. Given our away record, do we have anything to fear going into these two away games? In theory, not, but... <laughs> I'm still. I'm not exactly confident. The way I'm thinking of it is because we've had better than expected results in the last batch. We're all right to lose these, and we we'll still won't be near the relegation zone. That's a real positive way of, of looking at things. <laughs> Plus, Norwich and Reading just played out a humdinging three-all draw, which is that we don't need to be facing any teams that can score three goals. Um, at any point, it's going to be an interesting sort of well, measure because we came up with Norwich, so we should be um, we should be finishing just behind them at, at all points throughout <laughs> the season. And Reading are kind of uh, the definition of, of average Championship team. He'll probably spank us now. You said yeah. that. Ian Hart, free kicks, just got to defend those. Yeah, well, just to look at the stats then, Norwich currently eighth, just a point behind us, Reading ninth, three points behind us, so it's all very, it is very tight, isn't it? They haven't won for four games. So they drew a win. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, and obviously, as we just said, the, the Leeds connection there as well, Ian Hart in the uh, in the Reading side. So if we just stick some fast men to run at him, <coughs> at him then we should be fine, shouldn't we? That always seemed to work for other teams when he played for us. Yeah, so, yeah. Gradle's got to start. Can't play everybody on the on the right wing. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he still a centre back when he's playing for Reading as well? I don't know. Is he? I, I, he moved to centre back at Carlisle, didn't he? I saw the highlights of the the Norwich game, and all the games did seem to be going down the left side. So I just assumed he was playing left back. <laughs> four points. If we can get four points, I think uh, that'd oh, be it. That'd be hand off. Four points. Two points. Between two and four, I think. I think if we get that out, that's good enough, you know. And if we lose, everyone's dropping points, aren't they, around us? So if we lose both, is it Grayson out? <laughs> <laughs> well, it gives me more to write about in the next book, but uh, no, don't think so. <laughs> Literally, literally anything could happen. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though, because Bristol beat bloody Swansea, who'd just beaten Cardiff, and then we beat them. None of it makes sense. (laughs) None of those... those, This this whole section of the show is now just deteriorating into... Yeah. (laughs) Norwich 4, Leicester City 3, then the next game, Bristol 0, Norwich 3, QPR 0, Norwich 1... Then Norwich won Crystal Palace too. That's not right. That's not the way it should have gone. <laughs> we, we need some kind of, I mean, 
if the Met Office has got a spare supercomputer, then we can maybe run run through for these sections. But otherwise, Ian Mike Martin never going to score. Uh, Norwich will probably beat us, and um, and we may be a bit lower than fifth, which uh, would be probably um, more reassuring. We're too high up in the table. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Blackpool. <laughs> Look what they did. I do think it would benefit us to be, if we're going to be sort of top half, to be in and out of the playoffs all the time, because as soon as we get in there for a decent period of time, the expectation will be that we can go up, which I think is a bit unrealistic. So if we just stay sixth and seventh all season? Yeah, just in and out, in and out, and then in the playoffs. And then we can have, defeat. That, then we can have that last day uh, thriller where we you know, save it from the, the very brink of disaster, and then we lose in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. That's fine then. More unpredictable nonsense come back in a fortnight fine right uh, move on to the mailbag then if we if we didn't say anything about the games We've got a couple of emails this time so the first email uh, was a fairly, a fairly brief note and Oddie uh, you've got this one haven't you it just said uh, what did it say uh, it said please will you give a mention to that deluded twat Robbie Savage after his performance doing the commentary for Cardiff v Swansea on the BBC that was from Tom Stephen I don't, I don't actually know what Tom's talking about because as soon as I heard Robbie Savage was commentating on that game audio options five live commentary yeah, I, I, I would not, not even entertain. I would not normally yeah. say this, but Robbie Savage makes me turn over to Talksport um, yeah. <laughs> on, on a Saturday evening. Of, of my of, uh, deluded twats, I currently favour Stan Collymore over Robbie Savage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen. There's been a load of uh, newspaper articles about Robbie Savage recently. I'm getting really fed up of people telling me I should like him. I saw one the other day. And it was saying, "Oh, he's turning into a national treasure." Like. It's truth. Nice. No, but that's him telling you you should yeah. like him. In, in his column in the sun or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> did you see the video he did of himself singing in his car? He put it on Twitter. What? Ain't nobody by Shaka Khan. Ain't nobody going to beat the Rams yeah, today the Ram. or something. So and he was singing it in his car. It's purely objectionable. And people who don't like football, as you said, are pointing to that and going, oh, he's funny, isn't he? Like, no, he's a tit. <laughs> he's, a, he's an arsehole. He's a horrible, if it, horrible If arsehole. it's Sanchez mixing some fat beats in his, <laughs> in his home studio. I think th- I've never liked Robbie Savage from the minute he scored that Youth Cup penalty in 1993. I've hated him since then um, in front of the cop and he danced off like, I don't know, like a 30-year-old professional. Wanted to smack him then. Um, and it's just he's got that horrible combination of a lack of humility coupled with a lack of intelligence as well and with him being a match summariser all he's ever summarising is himself all I've ever heard him say is, is he, he just he plays for a joke and then he's got nothing to follow up the joke I mean, if, you, if you're looking for quality punditry, um, listen to the Square Ball podcast like, uh, <laughs> with a combination of uh, good editing and uh, minimal research. <laughs> <laughs> But we're not being bankrolled by the BBC. That's what's annoying me most. Yeah, my licence fee's That's going to that. Well, if you do work for the BBC and yeah. you want to send us some money... It's just just paying for him to turn himself into a minor celebrity. Which is basically what he wants from it. He wants a media career after the... Uh, well, he's uh, finished as a footballer, isn't he? I mean, he was finished five years ago. As far as I'm concerned. Still bossed out midfield at the start of the season, but never mind. Yeah, let's move on then to the second email. We got this one from the other side of the globe, um, and this was uh, entitled Greetings from New Zealand. Um, yeah, this is from um, Katie Burton, who's uh, living in New Zealand, formerly of Beeston. So it's quite a, quite a change for her there. Um, but my brother Mike recently introduced me to your wonderful podcast while he was visiting me here in New Zealand. We spent most of our days driving around the beautifully scenic South Island while listening to the podcast, starting at the beginning in January right up to the present day. 
It's not easy keeping up to date with what's going on at Lamb Road when you live almost 12,000 miles away, and I find the podcast both funny and informative. We, we didn't even pay her to write this, by the way. Um, so I'm indebted to you for providing the service. I've also subscribed to the fanzine and purchased a Visit Beeston t-shirt, which I wear around Wellington with pride, although I think it's lost on most people here. <laughs> she's about our perfect customer. These South Island that she's been driving around must be nice if she's lived in Beeston. Is that not where they did all the Lord of the Rings stuff as well? Like, Probably some similar Beeston? characters to Beeston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big hill, Beeston Hill. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Mordor. That oh, rem- thanks for that. Yeah, well, good. Well, well said. That case. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's bordering on propaganda, but uh, yeah, we were to read it out because it's really nice to receive well, something from so far away. It, it brightened up my Monday morning like like nobody's business to get that in the inbox today. Also brings another point to bear as well that um, we were, we're nearly a year into doing this. Um, and we'll, we should possibly ask the listenership what we should do. Stop for, it for, for, <laughs> for the first birthday podcast at the start of January. <laughs> Possibly just shut it down. Proper drunk podcast. Yeah. Oh, Which January is... after Christmas? No, I'll be. No, no, no. So yeah, let's let's put this one out then. So get in touch with us then and, and tell us what you think we should do for the first birthday podcast as well. If you want to do that, email us podcast at the squareball.net. You can find us on Facebook in the process of setting up a new fan page as well on there, or find us on Twitter. All four of us are down there. In fact, you're there as well, Joe, mm-hmm. with our individual accounts, and we've got the Squareball account. Almost like we're trying to saturate Twitter with like we our, have nothing yeah. better to do with our time. <laughs> you have constant retweets about some shoddy magazine coming out. <laughs> and, uh, don't, don't complain too much. But yeah, you can find us on there. That We're uh, at the square ball. Another thing we said we were going to do at one stage, but we never got around to, was trying to get a sponsor for the podcast. We're not interested in much money. We just really want some money to buy Haribo or donuts or something to make ourselves fat with whilst we do this. <laughs> so if you want to have your name read out, your company promoted, anything... Yeah. You, import prostitutes from third world countries anything at all we're not fussy because <laughs> the vending machine is quite expensive it's, it's a uh, right rip off so it's it costing, doesn't say prostitutes it's, it's, it's costing us money every time we put this podcast out just to be in food and drink isn't it yeah so if you've got anything at all you want to slap on this podcast for the sake of uh, a few bags of sweets that's fine by us <laughs> Yeah, before we say our farewells, um, having hoard ourselves off magnificently, uh, one last chance for you to plug your book, Joe. Uh, go on. Yeah, brilliant. It's called uh, Leeds United on This Day. We haven't mentioned that, I don't think. I so think far. we have. Yeah. No, no, well, no. We nearly didn't last week when we were giving it away. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Yeah, Leeds United on This Day, out in all good bookshops, some bad ones too. Hey, badumsh. Badumsh, yep. And it's, uh, yeah, got lots of good stories about Leeds in. Well worth the thirty pounds it will cost. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, it's a tenner, isn't it? Something. A tenner, yep. Is it? Only... It's in three for two in Waterstones at the moment. So buy three, buy yeah, three yeah, copies. Might as well yeah. buy three because yeah. it's that good. Is it um, still only nine ninety nine in the club shop? Still nine ninety nine in the club shop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll go in the transfer war fund though if you buy it there, won't it? That's true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Throwing money away there. <laughs> so yeah, buy Joe's book. And he keeps writing for us, so it seems like a fair exchange that we'll we'll uh, we'll plug his book for him. Uh, let's plug our own little publication now. Then there is a brand new issue of the Square Ball out, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast. It's issue four. In there, uh, we've got the Johnny Giles interview and a very special centre spread by TheBeatingGeneration.co.uk. Uh, for all you sick pots who are listening, it was sort of inspired by Ken Bates' latest comments on Leeds fans, where he said some were sick pots that blamed him for everything. So yeah, have a look see at that. Uh, 
Uh, Moscow. a bit tired of it, apparently, but yeah. you tire of things quickly at his age. Moscow in there as well, part two of your 2001-2002 article. That's the one where uh, it was O'Leary's last season in charge, isn't it? Oh, yes, good times, good times. And there's the secret diary of Gary McSheffrey that you dis- that you discovered under a rock somewhere in the uh, in the East Midlands, which was sort of inspired by the, the now-famous rant in Podcast 17. It just seems to be inspired by Gary McSheffrey's life. His life with Doyler. There's almost a sitcom <laughs> waiting to get out there. Isn't My it? life with Doyler. <laughs> Doyler and me. Oddie, in the magazine as well, you've got your great piece about the atmosphere at Ellen Road. There is indeed. Um, South Stand, give us a song. Yeah. Well, I like to think that everybody at half time on Saturday read the, read the magazine and that article and then decided to sing. We got behind the team, we scored a goal. They got one, we scored some more. nothing to do with Becchio. No, it was all down to me. (laughs) And also in there, Michael, your little piece called Nine Lives, which is about the good fortune of criminal footballers, such as Marlon King that we faced the other day. Yeah, I just just looked at him and I thought, well, he's not not just had a second chance, he's had bloody millions of goes, and he just keeps doing absolutely horrible things as well. I was reading up on it on the internet, and he's sort of chased women down the street with a belt and... Can we just establish this all established? This is fact this is yeah, well. It was it, your flaw there is that you just read it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the Guardian website. They're a reputable uh, yeah, they're publication, the, the, unlike ours. Media lawyers, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I just I just felt a bit miffed really that he's been allowed uh, allowed back into football quite so easily. So it was, it was written from a position of a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, right? essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he should have been uh, left to rot. And when he came out of uh, jail and I saw him photographed, he was wearing a very nice coat. A nicer coat than I've got. And I've, n- I've not been to jail. <laughs> <laughs> we've also got, we've got Sven in there, his, uh, his Norway updates and uh, Johnny Cooper's written a an article about uh, the season so far, I think, isn't it? Yeah, sort of other players good enough, do we think? It's uh, it's good read. Well, he wrote that before this latest run, so it's a bit more realistic than it probably would be if we if it was written now. Uh, Joe, your regular on this day features in there as well. Uh, this one featuring loads of memorable debuts, including one Thomas Brolin. Indeed, yeah, we see a theme going here with what I write, but uh, Thomas Brolin came on the scene. Uh, a few others, uh, Anne Smith, Rio Ferdinand. Is it just me that whenever you think of Thomas Brolin, obviously he's a fat poker player now, or whatever he does, but we signed him and I just thought Brolene darling, Brolene oh that famous uh, commentary was it Barry Davis who did Barry that Davis, yeah. Yeah. and then we saw the reality and it was vastly removed emphasis on the vast yeah. <laughs> my image I, I'm left with him is the uh, the bandage being knocked off his head yeah. Yeah. when playing for Palace for about eight stone overweight and it was one of those cheers you know when the referee falls over or the line yeah. slips or gets hit by a ball or something like that it was one of those cheers wasn't it it was a little bit cruel really like, like, when, a, like when somebody drops a pint glass in a pub <laughs> if anything needs to be uploaded to YouTube it's that damn thing search for hours and it just isn't there come on internet don't let me down uh, on a slightly more downbeat note as well you also mentioned uh, in there the sad death of Billy Bremner I can't believe he died aged just 54 he looked 54 in the photos from like the 70s didn't he he always looked really old did Billy mm. but I can't believe he went at just age 54 that was what 1997 keeping it cheerful yeah. <laughs> someone should put a statue up of that man that's all I'm saying <laughs> Uh, you'll find the magazine on sale at Home Games and you can buy it in paper or PDF format anytime you like via the squareball.net forward slash shop. Uh, subscriptions still available as well, uh, including all this season's issues. Uh, why not treat a loved one for Christmas? Uh, or if you don't do Christmas, the festival of your choosing. Well, the clock has run out on us then. We'll, uh, we'll sign off now, say our goodbyes. Farewell from me and from Michael Normanson. That's you. Sorry, I'm, I'm busy on my phone. <laughs> you, Bye-bye. You, you were getting ready to play with bloody Twitter, weren't you? That's what I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Tara from Moscow, right? Sorry, I was I was reading Joe's book. I was, are we, what are we doing? 
and goodbye from Oddie. Goodbye. And of course, our very special guest, Joe Muris. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. We'll, we will have you again, all four of us. We'll be returning in a couple of weeks' time. That's around the week of the 29th of November, in which we will be previewing the matches versus Crystal Palace at home uh, and Burnley away. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Square Ball Podcast, and we will speak to you again very soon. The Square Ball Podcast. With Andy O'Brien, maybe we'll overcome that. Because I, I was quite struck, this is going to sound odd now, by the, the width of his shoulders. He's quite a big bloke, is uh, O'Brien. I've never really seen that on TV, but at Scunthorpe, when I sort of came out towards the pitch, he was just warming up in front, and I thought, he's actually quite a bit bigger than most of them. He's, he's a, yeah, he's always a big strapping lad he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave this now before I get... <laughs> Any more camp? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.